Hello and welcome to today's about. Um, today I have the wonderful Kriti from Armed with a Book, and today is about Kriti from Armed with a Book. Um, so welcome, Kriti. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, you are our first guest of our new recording season, or of the year, if you will. <laughs> um, and it has, you know, like. For you, for those of you of you who don't know, um, Critty has an amazing website called Armed with a Book. Um, how long have you? How long's the blog been going now? I started it in May 2019, so it's coming up on I don't know five years now. I don't know. Terrible at doing math on the fly. <laughs> yeah, so back in 2019, um, what yeah. inspired you to start? I had I had been blogging probably since I was a teen, you know, like I remember the days when blogs first started coming out because the internet was new and all of that. And I used to have a personal blog that I would write on the, over the summer. There was one summer when I read a lot and wrote about all the books that I read. And as I got busy with schooling and grad studies and things like that, um, I continued to write here and there, but I didn't really have a particular purpose for the longest time. Right. Uh, then I got into a teaching degree and I did have a purpose for about two years to write about teaching techniques and education. But once that wrapped up and I wasn't going into education, I still wanted to continue writing. And yeah. I was already reading by then. So I was like, okay, uh, maybe I should do a book blog where I'm writing about books. I continue to read and then I continue to write. And that's how On With The Book came to be. You know, you, you, you mentioned how blogging was very big in like when once everyone got broadband because there yeah. was time everyone yeah dial up <laughs> so once we got broadband we had stable connections um yeah the blogging scene was very big and I used to be a blogger um in a past life and when I was blogging it was very much about fashion I remember fashion bloggers um I can't remember her name cannot remember her name. I don't know if you were into fashion blogging, but blogger was... Yeah, I was... I feel like my blogging hasn't changed that much. I'm more about writing. I'm terrible about interacting. I try to hear it in there, but it's... Yeah. No, so, though I did not really explore fashion blogs. I was mostly looking at just... My own stuff was more lifestyle related, but mm -hmm. seriously, what lifestyle does the 16-year-old have? <laughs> I was reading... I was writing a little bit about my day. Now, that's it. Yeah. And with blogging, did you find, I think the question I've got is what, not what drew you to it, because you said you wanted to keep the writing going after you had yeah. your degree and everything, but what kept you in it? Because it can be tough trying to manage that and your life. Yeah, I think just realizing that it's something I enjoy mm -hmm. helps me continue to keep coming back to it. I also have a journaling practice. So even if I'm not like posting anything on like, I don't know, on social media or on, on my website, I'm still continuing to write for myself. Yeah. So I have to ask, you know, being a publisher and everything, yeah. is a book in the works? <laughs> there is a book in the works. No book in the works. Is it something you're tempted by? Um, when I was younger, I did end up writing a few that my I had all my college friends read, but that's about it. That's all I did. Okay. Um, 
So now we've moved on to books. I am so interested to know your thoughts on the publishing industry. Um, so for those who don't, of you who don't know, um, Quitty is based in Canada. Um, today is about and myself are in London, UK. And I have a whole bunch of opinions, but my opinions are very much about the big traditional publishers who are worldwide, but a lot of them are based in UK. Um, so I'm really interested to A, hear your opinions and also B, hear your perspective from the Canadian publishing world. Um, where do I start? Um, first of all, like as, as a blogger, I didn't really realize just as a reader, I didn't know how big of an industry it was until I actually started blogging because now suddenly I was more active on social media. I was seeing more authors. I was seeing publishers. I follow a lot of publisher accounts and authors and I get requests from like all over the place. And it's really, it's been quite an interesting experience to learn about the different structures in place, like in a publishing, in, the, in, in like big publishers or even with small publishers, you have this variety of people that interact with a book. As someone who just reads, you might not really think about it until you actually think about it. There's editors, there's artists, there are, um, there's so many kinds of editors on top of that. There's beta readers, alpha readers, like this. It, I did not know like how, how many people play a role in the publishing of a book um, until I actually started interacting with them. Um, and then again, coming to the different kinds of uh, routes that we have in publishing. You could go traditional publishing, go self-publish, you go indie presses. Like, and it's, I, I'm not even, not even a hundred percent on definitions a lot of times because what seems like would be maybe a traditional press doesn't always end up being that. Like you really need to look into them to know where, where do they stand? And like, if that matters, yeah. um, a lot of times for me, when Honestly, all the time, I'm just looking for good books. It, mm -hmm. And when when we were doing our um, Instagram live, yeah. we talked about it very briefly with how just the amount of effort and uh, manpower almost that publishers are big publishers in particular are able to put in to um, bring awareness about their new books, up and coming books, and authors. It's it's a minefield, and especially with social media and how small our attention spans are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it, it is true. I mean, there, like, poetry is kind of my sector, um, and I have found that poetry right now, I personally feel, is being kept alive by the indies and social media. Um, there are a lot of um, self-published poets who are selling great numbers, but the traditional routes, like they're not going to be on a bestsellers list because they haven't gone through Nielsen's publishing or whatever, and they're not getting orders through the bookshops, which is crazy to me because it's not really very fair. You know, at the end of the day, they are selling those numbers and they should be recognized for it. Um, they've done the marketing, they've pushed themselves, they've done an amazing book. It's popular and it's poetry, which apparently no one reads, but clearly people do. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean about it being a minefield. Like, my experience with it was very, yeah, I jumped into a sea, basically. I didn't realize I thought I was going into a pool. <laughs> yeah, and 
also related to that, just most recently, I've been exploring a lot more awards. Like one of the awards I was following, I am still following, is the Scotiabank Giller Prize Award. It's a Canadian award. It's an annual award that they, and then they have some criteria around it. And I was just reading their finalists. And what was really interesting about that was I, in general, would not have picked up these finalists. I wouldn't really have known about these books. But as I read them and I enjoyed them, uh, I'm tempted to look at more awards because mm. that's a way of finding books, which my, I might not come across, especially if it's not a genre I regularly read. Yeah, no, that is very true. And I think in terms of being a writer, um, awards are a really good way to get recognition, uh, to also encounter your peers, see what who else is writing, what other stories are out there. So yeah, I think your point about awards is so true and it's very important poignant uh, point because I think as an author and a writer, sometimes you think, oh, this is just a validation exercise, but it can be so much more than that. Obviously, it depends on the award. Um, also, they get sponsored by like, um, yeah. won't know, uh, Scotiabank is a big they're also <laughs> They're also doing their own publicity, right? Like these yeah. accounts for these awards are often pretty active on social media and are continuously talking about the authors who are on their long list, on their short list. And if, with them being annual awards, yeah, it's just easier to continue to engage with them and see what else they have found. Yeah, very, very true. Um, in terms of the Canadian publishing yeah. world, yeah, tell me yeah, that. I, I feel like um, it's still very much influenced by the U.S. There are Canadian authors that we definitely try to, um, we see more of them now. There are movements like Canadian Read, uh, Canada Reads and like the Giller Prize that I talked about, which does bring awareness to a lot more Canadian works. So it's going well. Um, I, I, I definitely feel a difference like five years ago and where I'm at now, where maybe personally I see it more, so I engage with it more and I'm just really interacting with it a lot more than I used to. Mm. Um, like, I, I think our publishers are still still kind of mostly based out of the U.S. Like, a lot of the books are, it's, I don't know how to say it. Maybe it's like a distribution thing where the where it's more like, like, even though we have Canadian, it's like Canadian versions of, like, HarperCollins and yeah. Penguin. Like, it's like there's an India version there too, you know? Like, yeah. And all of them, I'm, I'm, I haven't really looked into it as much, but I'm curious about which stories end up in all those countries rather than just being limited to the West or to the, or to the UK, because that probably all clubs in together a lot better audience-wise. Yeah. Um, but it is still good to see a lot more uh, multicultural stories coming up and just authors from different cultures being on book lists and yeah. seeing them available for review opportunities and interview opportunities has been really good. Yeah, no, I think it is good. I feel like publishing is in a place, it's in an intermediary phase. Like it's going through like this renaissance, like there's this traditional publisher, there's the way to do things. Yeah. And like the internet and like self-publishing and all the different houses that are kind of open, all the indies that are around now and doing really very well. Um, mm. It's opening up the market. But talking of indies, because one thing that authors are always told to do is get reviews. And you were involved in Indie Story Geek. Yes. So please tell me more about Indie Story Geek. 
All right. So Indie Story Geek is the brainchild of one of my friends. Um, she's an author and um, she's an indie author. She self-publishes her book. I think she has a press um, just under which she publishes them. And she had this idea of having a website which was geared for indie authors where you could find indie books. Because a lot of because if you go on websites like Goodreads and yeah. uh, StoryGap, it's not always obvious what is an indie book. So what she did is she set up this website where it's really easy for anyone to add an indie book. So it's not limited to the author going and add, adding it. Like if I have read an indie book, I think that's how you actually ended up on it because on my website, I talk about Indie Story Geek and I encourage all my authors, anyone who's interacting with me, like please go add your book there. Because yeah. I know people who use that website. Mm. Um, my friend SK herself, she reviews a lot of the books on there. That's that's her main reviewing platform. Um, and I quite enjoy um, seeing the books on there. And I'm often there like every month looking at what, what new stuff got added. Um, it also has the option where if indie authors want, they can upload a review copy, which is accessible to verified reviewers on the website. It's It's growing and I'm really happy for it. One of the things that SK and I did for it was we don't have a rating, like a star system. Yeah. Instead, what we use is is something that I developed with some of my reader friends. Uh, it's like an eight criteria system where we rate the book on how it did for world building, cast, plot, uh, immersion, emotional response, thought-provoking mm -hmm. aspects, I always cover and I'm probably missing one, but, <laughs> but we have, but then there's like a visual representation of how that reading experience was for people. And it's not a rate. It's not really a rating. It's more of a scale around. All right. Was for with storytelling, for example, was this a descriptive book? Was it like a really balanced kind of perspective? It gave you exactly the kind the, the just the right amount of details that you needed to create the story in your mind, or was it just really minimalistic and you had to really work hard to imagine what was going on? So it's not a rating, but it's just a different way of looking at books. But I really appreciated that because I do find with like some of the other review websites, it's just, it depends how the reviewer feels. And I think it does help when you kind of um, focus someone's attention to ask them. It's almost like asking you specifically, is it, what did you like about this book? Was it the storytelling? Was it this? Was it that? And I think that's actually really good. I have started to see that a lot more with reviews now. Um, I think a lot more people are using criterias like that. I was actually reading a couple of reviews on Goodreads this morning. And yeah, people are talking about cast and world building. And I think personally for myself, if I can't sit and write a review for a book, like it's been a while or I don't know where to start, I'll use my criteria to get started. Because yeah, I okay, what do I want to say about world building? That really focuses me and then I can talk about it versus just a blank page of what do I want to say about this book? Yeah. I'm curious about your opinion because there have been some incidences where someone's reviewed a book and the author has been like, well, got involved basically. <laughs> I mean, I have my personal stance on that. But I mean, it doesn't happen often, but it has happened a few times, which I've been surprised about. Um do you have any comments or any thoughts on that situation? Does it make you feel like you don't want to review things? Um, 
I think I'll need like a more fleshed out scenario for that. Mm. In general, uh, my practice is that I do want to interact with the authors and I want to get to know them. And I definitely, I love doing interviews and I love hosting people. So I often will reach out to authors and sometimes I hear back and sometimes I don't. And that's okay. With reviews, um, especially when we do blog tours uh, through organizers, the general, the, the good etiquette practice is that if you did not like the book, if you rated it less than three, don't, three out of five, don't tag the author. Like, don't show this to the author, which it makes sense. You're trying, I guess you want to have good opinions out there and show them those good opinions. And it's fact of life. Not everyone likes everything that they read or they come across. And we kind of have to just work around it. Yeah. Um, I, I do find, though, that sometimes, um, like, we don't really know how the story came to be and yes. what the full intention around it was. And it sometimes you get to know that when you talk to the author and sometimes you don't. But do you think that's important? Do you think a piece of work should stand on its own rather than be contextualized like that? I think it depends on what that piece of work was trying to do. Yeah. 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 I like that. It's a very safe response. Um, <laughs> um, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about Armed with a Book because you have a very, like, I love your process. So basically, um, for those who don't know, I met Critty. And I reached out to her, basically saying, please, please, please review my book. <laughs> and um, but it was very kind and she offered me the opportunity to do um, like a guest spot on the blog. And you sent me some questions over and we did this interview back and forth and it was great. But you have a whole process and you make it very clear on how to engage with you, which I thought was amazing. So if you're an author, indie, self-published, um, book influences are quite important. You want to get feedback on the work as well and it can be a bit of a minefield so how did you come to the point where you felt a the need to put that up and because it was very it felt like um things had happened <laughs> that came <laughs> yeah it's it, it, you know what it's how you described it about jumping into publishing and poetry that it's a c and it was it's very much the same it was very much the same for me when i started i was really active on twitter i had lots of people that i was chatting with and um things would happen there were instances where there were clashes between authors and reviewers and it's so funny because it's like we are little communities on the internet and things are happening and we're all riled up like yeah <laughs> you your friends about it and they're like what yeah <laughs> yeah and um i don't actually even remember anymore how how my form was originally but when I first started, I was I was open. I was I've always been open to hearing about people and their books. And I think it was actually probably Twitter that annoyed me the most, where people would tag me and be like, "Hey, read this book. Read like read my book, which is based on these two other books." And I just, what, what do I do about that? Yeah. And like, I don't even know these two other books. Like a lot of times people assume that, you know, the comparative works that they're going for, but that's not necessary. Not everyone reads everything that's popular or knows everything that is popular. <laughs> we don't have that much time. <laughs> but it's also about your interest. Like maybe you're not even interested yeah. in that. Yeah. Like 
I do personally sometimes avoid very popular books because I see them all the time on my feed and I'm like, all right, enough people have read this. <laughs> I'll go read something else. And if I really want to, I'll come back to it at some point. Not a big deal. Um, but yeah, there were instances like that. And then I would often get like the whole book attached in my email. And I was, I got very annoyed because it was like, I, I don't want these. I don't want your book. Unless I say I want your book, I don't really want your book. And, and like telling that to authors is hard because now you're almost being confrontational, even though it is very much through an email that, hey, like, please don't, please don't send this to me. There'll be times when I got the same message that was being sent out to so many other people. And then like my name wasn't spelled right or my name wasn't my name at all. And then it's like, did you not put any effort into this? Like, I'm definitely not not going to bother. But like, it takes time. And it was so many of these repeated instances of like, where where is our common sense? Is this just because we're not meeting anyone in person? Mm -hmm. Why are we okay with just bombarding people with requests? Yeah, spamming them. And so that ended up evolving into me working with some of my book blogger friends and Mm -hmm. some of my indie friends and we wrote this article about book blogger and author relationship um that please don't do this and (laughs) please do this and like it's true across i've visited many many book blogs and Mm -hmm. you there's it's very hard to find one that doesn't have a book review policy they will tell you we have all had to do this where we've (laughs) set rules we've set boundaries that hey i read these kind of books i don't read these kind of books you, if you if you've made it through this, now you may email me or you can fill out this form. And it took me a few iterations to come up with my form because I had to think about I had I had to find a way to convey that I might not get to that book. That yes, I'm interested and I would love to read it, but I want to read 800 other books. <laughs> uh, maybe it's 450 at this point, not between, but you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I, I actually track how many books I add to my uh, TBR every month and it can easily be 30 books. And I don't read that many in a month. Yeah. So there's always gonna be a really bigger pile in the tiny pile. <laughs> well, it's always so a competition. It's so interesting that you uh, mentioned a to be red pile because it's, it can get stressful. Oh yeah. Oh, you add in, you have your to-be-read file, and I feel like I have like an immediate, hopefully reading soon file, which is part of it, they're kind of on top over there. Um, But then you add in deadlines, like as reviewers, we're often working with publishers and authors, you know, trying to read advanced copies or at least hoping to read advanced copies or trying to put out some content around the publishing date. Like, you know, we we do want to help bring you know, more readers to their books because we're interested in their books. We like this book. Hey, maybe yeah. check this out. Yeah. Um, that can also get stressful. In, and what I was finding is a lot of my bad interactions were leading me to not interact at all. And then I just right. didn't want to do it. Yeah. Um, and there are instances of burnout through pursuing anything, especially mm-hmm. when you have like a uncontrollable element of how people will interact with you. Yeah, definitely. I mean... One thing I found so interesting about you is I feel like you are a true Rubik's Cube, and I'll explain what I mean by that, um, which is I do, I believe everyone's a Rubik's Cube to to some extent, um, but it's basically like, I always give the example, like you're an accountant, but you, you make fire art on the side, or you're like 
you love to go into the studio and you make amazing music, but no one's heard it because you're just like, no, I'm an accountant. Um, so Rubens Cubes are people who have all of these different elements and aspects to their existence. Um, and you definitely are a Rubens Cube because you've got the blog, you've got your art, you've got your day job and you've got a life, you know, you've got a lot going on. Um, and one of the things I've, I like, I really, I was like, I need to be this way was your organization. You were so organized with the blog. So when you decided to like start posting on your art account, <laughs> did you apply the same kind of method you did for what you developed for the blog with your art or is it a different kind of way of doing things? You know what? It, it's just been fairly recent. Mm. So the scheduling with the blog, it's been years in the making. Yeah. I, I've gone through when I first started, I used to have a proper calendar and I had dates for myself, yeah. like this date I'm posting this and this date I'm posting this. But most of the time that was, I would set that up like a week or two weeks in advance. I didn't know very much far ahead how much I was going to do. Mm. And then I kind of stopped doing that and let it just be. Yeah, I was posting every day for a few months, so I think that kind of burnt me out because <laughs> I was like, okay, oh, wow. yeah, I don't, that was insane." But it was twenty twenty. <laughs> You're like, I had some time. <laughs> yeah, and um, then after I took a little bit of break last year because of my wedding, and then coming back to it with fresh eyes was really energizing because mm -hmm. I had a moment to think about, all right, how do I really want to do this? Because I want to continue doing this, but I don't want it to be something I stress about. Yeah. So I focused a lot on um, writing my book reviews that I had not written for months, mm -hmm. just didn't have the time, and just making sure that the point of stress for me is, oh, I need to post something. I want to post something, but I haven't written it. Yeah. So I tried to build a distance between what I, when I was going to do it and when I was actually writing out what I wanted mm -hmm. to share. Um, with my art account, it also sort of started with, oh, like I just sporadically want to do art. Yeah. But it's hard to sporadically just do anything. Like I don't want to go pick up my paintbrushes at all sometimes and this week actually I I saw this art challenge and that got me motivated to just do a little bit of art every day and then I can post about it or not post about it it's yeah. fine um, I maintain a calendar for my book blog I have a similar calendar for Instagram now um, for my book Instagram and then I added the one for I use the same one for my uh, art account it's, it's, mm. it's just um, doesn't matter if it's two accounts um, it's good though. Like it's it's nice to see, nice to kind of work towards something. Because with the art stuff, it's it's more spontaneous. But once I've done it, then I add, do I calendar that? Okay, I posted that. <laughs> yeah. And um, in terms of having a day job and pursuing creative interests, was that something you were able to do from the off? Because you said you were at uni at one point. Um, were you worked before you start went to uni? Did you have like? Because you, you did a PhD, didn't you? No, I did master's. I have two masters. Same thing. I did one too. And I'm yeah. like, it's a PhD. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. But because um, you would have had your, did you do a, you had your first degree, then you had a break and then you went on to your master's? Uh, no, I did everything back to back. I did oh, work wow. time for the, la for the last two degrees and it was fun. It was, but you know what? Like, it's only when you start working full time, at least for my me, that was the what I experienced was now I really had control on what I wanted to do um, with my time. 
because when you're in school there's deadlines there's exams to study for there's materials to read there's assignments to do but now I had to create my own deadlines to have not even deadlines just goals to work towards and it was really easy to fall into the pattern of reading more Mm -hmm. or writing a lot and it or building a website like I go I feel like I go through phases every couple months where I look at one of my web pages and be like "Mm, I don't like this anymore I want to change this (laughs) yeah yeah but did you find it was a balancing act or did you find it something because you were saying like when you moved into full-time work you felt like you had more control over your time. So, yeah, it, it was like my evenings were free. Yeah. Um, I think I was already kind of gearing up for it because mm. it, it was years of spending time reading and writing. So it was an obvious decision that my free time was going to go into reading and writing. I just didn't know what that was going to look like. So the organization piece of it, was a little bit surprising there, there have been times when I've looked at like my old bullet journals and just see all the stuff that I was doing related to my education mm-hmm. and then to see those similar patterns in reading and writing and in the blog yeah. that they they kind of got transferred over like all those skills are still being used <laughs> <laughs> like thanks uni <laughs> <laughs> um I I, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but now we're talking, I, I kind of have to touch on it. So, um, I actually went to uni in Canada. I went oh, to, yeah, I went what? to I missed you for a few years. When were you here? I was, it was a long time ago, Christy, okay. very old. Um, 2004 to 2007, I was in Montreal. I went to Concordia. Um, yes, for those of you out there, Concordia is the other English university in Montreal, not McGill. Um, but um, I went to Concordia and I had a fantastic time. But in terms of like education systems, how would you rate the Canadian system? Like, are we talking university or school? University. I don't have no idea what happens at school. <laughs> I've never asked <laughs> one of them. It's so... My first degree, uh, I did. It. I grew up in India. I moved to Canada in 2014. So when I think about uh, comparing with Canada and like education and university, I, my the one I'm comparing with is always going to be India. Yeah, yeah. That that's that that's where it came from. And there's a lot more freedom here with how which subjects you choose and how you organize your time. In India, they give you their timetable. Here you go. You're here eight thirty to four thirty. These are your classes. You might have a little bit of break, but there's no. There aren't really options the same way. Um, I I do think though that the kind of drive that comes with that sort of a strict education system. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it teaches you to just come back to something and continue to chip away at it versus yeah. here where um, I just had a lot more free time. Like I, I I personally had to think about, okay, what am I doing here? Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm studying this or I'm doing that, which is okay. It's good yeah. to still learn those skills, but I want to say that a lot of, um, I'm t- totally losing on the word, just just the discipline of it yes um is something that was a lot harder here because you, it, it was just not. a lot and well sometimes i wouldn't even have the same people in the same course you know i would take four courses and i would only have i would have one person in a course that i could sit with no one would have the same classes so there, there's a lot to it 
Uh, and I think as an international student, it gets even harder when you're in a new country and you don't really have friends and yeah. you're adjusting with a whole other level of education and just trying to figure out what you're doing. Yeah, I must admit, when you when you said the freedom, I just remembered so vividly that book you get at the beginning of the year and you have all of the classes you can take, right? And it's like separated by uh, degree programs and you're just looking, you're like, so I did political science. So I was like, what does it do to America? semester is like this will give you three points to your degree i just i loved that but i do i love the options too yeah I, when my last degree was the teaching degree and we had to take like some english credit courses and i was like whoa i have options to look at any english course. <laughs> okay, i'm gonna take this one and then i'm gonna take that <laughs> yeah no you're right it's so much freedom but like if i compare it to the uk system because most yeah. my ones went to like um english universities First, everyone in my first year went, you studied? I was like, yeah, because of the grade point average, right? <laughs> um, because in the first year in the UK, it's it's relevant if you want it to be relevant. So it's a choice. And apparently a lot of people decide it's not necessary. <laughs> um, where, so whereas we have like midterms and all of these exams, I was like, well, you do it. <laughs> no, it's really serious. I can't fail anything ever gotta keep the gpa up um but yeah what you said about the discipline and the structure i do remember very vividly actually being on the escalators at concordia being like i have so much time i like don't because from like a levels it was a similar thing you had your classes you had all of this you had so much to do that when we got to uni i was like um so i now what yeah, it was like, there's this reading list, which, to be fair, I yeah. didn't keep up until well into the semester because I didn't realise it was there. It's overwhelming. There's so many courses and everyone has a different style of teaching. And I think that's one of the things that India has in terms of consistency. That you, the, the, Every course is, of course, the material is going to change, but the teaching style is very much going to be the same. The expectation is going to be the same. You had better show up for class. You better get your good marks. You know, like all of that is still the same. But here, it's like you, if you, even if you get a chance to interact with your professor, the chances of having like a long-term relationship with them and kind of going back to them and learning from them continuously, taking a second course with them is sometimes not possible. Well, I, I was a bit lucky. So me and one of my uh, friends, um, one of the friends I made at uni, we were like, we love this professor. We basically saw the professor throughout our three years there. We're like, Perfect. Yeah, but that, it's not always possible because sometimes they're like, this is the professor that they change at the last minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was just interested because I'm always interested to hear about people's educational experiences, especially when they've had like international experiences. Um, I think it's quite important that if you are going to uni, you look at your options outside of where you're based and what your opportunities are. Maybe you decide to stay home that's completely valid. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's always good to have keep an eye on it because when you think about it worldwide in terms of costs, there are cheap options which are actually better for you sometimes depending on what you want to study. So I just think it's important to always speak to people about their experiences when it comes to things like that. Well, and then the experiences that you gain out of it is it's so valuable compared to not moving anywhere. And moving is hard. Like there's... There's nothing easy about any of it. 
but it's just how much you grow and how much like I interacted with so many people from around the world in my first yeah. year and it was amazing. Yeah, like it's funny because people, I would be like, wow, there are so many people from all over the world here. People are like, oh, you're from London. I'm like, it's not the same. And it's so true because like in London, it's a particular kind of international. Like it's like from England, like East, basically. Like we get all of that side of the world and some of the African countries and some of the South and we get the like, Eastern Asian, South Asian, and that side. But I hadn't met um, South Americans, like the way I met South Americans, you know? I hadn't met the Caribbeans the way I'd met those. Like, there were so many things about the Caribbean I didn't know. And then there was also the African contingents. The kids, I like, there was a group on Facebook from my uni, which was um, when people don't know the name of your country. And it was like the kids from like Burkina Faso or Suriname and all of this. And I just thought that so funny because it's like, it's so true. There are so many countries out there. And you think, because you met someone from South Africa or India, you've met everyone from around the world. You have no idea. <laughs> no, we're, we're all, we're all just very different with different cultural roots, different societal expectations. There's, there's just so much to know about the world and it's not possible to know all of it, but just interacting with different people, it, it's fascinating. So in terms of like the stories you like to read, have you found that you're getting more variety? Like, have you seen a change in like the kind of stories that have now been available? Like I remember seeing a TikTok about uh, where are the Polynesian young, uh, uh, what's it, YA books? And where are the like fantasy books from that part of the world? I was like, yeah, something from Fiji. And I'm not even sure if Fiji is considered Polynesia. Anyway, but do you know what I mean? Have, do you feel like you're getting more now, especially with social media and the internet and the fact that people had that downtime during the pandemic to kind of like actually explore their interests? I think there's definitely been a lot more um, variety of stories that I've started to see. And and it's hard to say. Maybe it's because I'm more open to looking for them that I find them or they're just out there more in general. Yeah. Um, that that would be a whole other analysis and point <laughs> that I hope someone is doing. Um, but I found myself really gravitating towards historical fiction for a little bit. But even within historical fiction, while a lot of it used to be focused around the world wars, we have we are talking about other places now, like stories around with the Vietnam War and the Korean War. Like those have started. At least I see them a lot more, which yeah. I really like that. Um, it, there are parts of history that we were we I wasn't taught. Uh, I recently read a book which was about Tibet, and it's really close to India, but I didn't really know a lot about it. So it's really nice to see, like, the worldview expand through that as well, that we're not just focusing on, like, what happened in uh, France or Germany or actually expanding to other parts of the world and bringing stories from there and talking about those people's cultures. Um, I've seen a lot more of that. There's definitely been more... Uh, female protagonists, even in historical fiction, a lot more. So, and I found like we were talking about lessons in chemistry uh, during the Instagram live, Ooh. which isn't around. It's historical fiction, but it's not about the world wars. It's just about a female scientist, which is really nice to read about too. Mary Benedict's books are often about women in historical fiction and these sort of roles. It's really good to see yeah. different stories come up more and more. Yeah. 
Um, I was just thinking in terms of like, what was I thinking? In terms of the stories that are coming out, in terms of the world we're now living in, because there's definitely been a shift. Um, post, I want to say post pandemic, but we're not technically out of the pandemic. I don't think the World Health Organization is like, it's going well. We're done. We're good. Come on, go back to normal. Carry on. Um, but it does feel like we're getting more to, back to a sense of like what our new normal will be. Um, do you think the stories that you're expecting to see in the next few years, are you expecting a change or are you expecting more of a continuation in what we're seeing? Or are you expecting us to go backwards, like go back to what we were doing before? I don't know. We're gonna see. I'm 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 here for the ride. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so I I'm very conscious of time. <laughs> um, do you um so we've got about 10 minutes. So I'm just thinking, like, do you have something that like a piece of advice that you'd give to someone who wanted to start a book, to start a book blog? I think my piece of advice for them would be to like, first just do it for themselves. Just spend some time reading books, writing reviews. And then if you feel like putting it out there and sharing it with more people, then go start a book blog. Yeah. And then I, and then the second part to that question is what would your advice be to authors who wish to engage with book bloggers or not sure where to start in terms of they've written the manuscript but they don't know what to do next well the manuscript part is hard please do not send that to a book blogger <laughs> i've gotten those um oh, wow. there's not much we can do with those. we already have a lot of published books to read yeah, yeah, yeah. um but no like talk to your author friends engage on facebook there are discord facebook communities i know i know a few like reach out talk to people the people who are in the middle of writing books, querying, editing, they will have much better advice than I can ever offer <laughs> to authors who are looking to get published. As for those who are published, um, there are lots of websites. Like I think there's one called Readsee. There's a book yep. blogger list. There, there, are a f there, there's also Book Sirens. There's lots of websites that give you access to active book bloggers. It, it is a time-consuming process. You have to go to their website, like the book bloggers' website. Please, please read their website. Check out their style of reviews. See if it works for you. And then properly read through their policies and then contact them. Yeah. Um, don't expect an answer back because there's lots of people out there reaching out to us. Um, but if you do get, get an answer back and if there's a chance for collaboration, do collaborate. I, for personally, for me, I love working with people. It's really nice to work with people like over and over again. Like you and I, when we first yeah. had, I think it was sometime last year. Yeah, did a book excerpt and interview about yeah. your poetry book, and we've engaged on Instagram together. We're doing this podcast, and I hope that we continue this relationship. Like I want to keep oh, knowing God. about about your books and what you're doing, and I, I hope the same for like all the authors that I interact with that that even if I don't get around to reading their book, mm. I hope that we still continue to stay in touch because yeah, like there was something interesting about them that 
we did make that connection. Yes. Beyond them filling out my form. <laughs> it's not just about the four people. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's about the person on the other side. Because yeah. ultimately we're all we're all just people. Yeah, we don't meet in person most of the time. And especially with so many of us being in so many different countries. But yeah. It's still possible to stay in touch. And oh, yeah, like I'm, I'm happy for all the people who are writing these amazing books and putting their work out there. Because yeah, that's hard. It takes a lot of courage. Oh, another thing which I must ask you is okay. how do you feel about ebooks and audiobooks? I really enjoy them. I sometimes find that it's interesting how I can do ebooks. And even though, like, I, I didn't. I don't know. It's it's just interesting. Sometimes I can read ebooks faster than I can read hardcover books or paperback books. Audiobooks, I think, are so much fun. You can do them while you're you listening to them while you're doing laundry or cooking food or yeah. anything. And but I do find I need to be in the mood for an audiobook often that I'm willing to listen in and yeah. it's not like that out. music, is it? It's like you're doing something and you're like, it just this happened or like, I'm yeah. trying to find the audio book for me. And I think the one I picked and I'm thinking of listening to is probably a bit too heavy. I think I need to start with like a fantasy one or like a thriller story. The one I was thinking okay. of was like cast, which is like race theory, which might be a bit much. <laughs> I was reading, reading a nonfiction book. It was, a, it was a really short book. It was like a three hour audio book. It, it's called um, How to Keep House While Drowning. So it's mostly about house chores and how just looking at them a different way and kind of disengaging from the kind of expectations we think we should have around house cleanup and things like that. It was really good, but I kept wanting to pause it and rewind it so that I could take notes because I can't take notes that fast. Yeah. You know, um, my friend was telling me about a reading app because I'm actually a really slow reader, which is ironic, but yes, I'm a very slow reader. Friends have commented and... um, um. They were telling me about this app where it trains you to read faster and what? it basically gets a book and it does it word by word. And once oh, you... Okay. It was very interesting. It's something I'm going to look into. Yeah, um, I'm interested to hear your experience. Yeah, but I think it's something that only really works with digital and that's why when things are in ebook format, it gives you more opportunities. Like me personally, I love a print book and I'm, I'm always going to be a print book person, but I do appreciate the problems in terms of sustainability with print books. Well, and I find that there are some books that I somehow have in multiple formats and it makes it so much easier to, you know, read them in whatever format I want. Yeah. <laughs> like I will sometimes get an audiobook because I can't seem to get started on my physical book. So I'll start yeah. my audiobook, follow along in my phys- physical book. At some point, forget about the audiobook. Just keep reading in my physical book, or if I have an ebook and I'm going out somewhere, then I can just read it on my phone. So there's there's lots of there's lots of options there, and depending on what we're doing, where we are, it's it's so much easier to you know like kind of read on your phone rather than take out a book and read in front of people because they know you're definitely disengaging from the conversation. Oh yeah, can you imagine? You have this conversation, you're just like. Like, are you there? Are you listening? But it's okay to be on your phone, though. No, a hundred percent. Especially when you know when you are having a way. It's like a group of you, and you know when people just split off into conversations. It's okay for me to disengage because I'm not needed in this situation. Like, like no one's. You cannot pull out a book. No, that that's what it's true, isn't it? And yeah, it, yeah. But you could definitely pull out the phone. People will accept that. Yeah. So 
that's that's a very good point about you fix all right there, Andy. Okay, so we're gonna do the quick fire round. So this is a pick the best of two options. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it simple. Poutine or beaver tail? Poutine. <laughs> okay. Um oh. Whistler or I don't even know if you're snowboarder or skier. I, I've just thrown that one at you. No, but I know Whistler, so I'm like waiting for the next option to see if that is the Whistler I'm thinking of. No, so it's going to be Whistler or Beach in Vancouver. I'm going to say Whistler. Really? Okay. Uh, I have not been to Vancouver yet. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, what's another one? Oh, okay. Um, well, I think I know the answer to this one. Historical fiction or thriller or books? Historical fiction. You know the answer to this one. I knew it, but I was like, I'm gonna ask it. I don't know if you know this one. Um, Amazing Race, The Amazing mm-hmm. Race, the TV show, mm-hmm. or The Apprentice? I had The Amazing Race because I do not know The Apprentice. <laughs> you know what? You didn't miss out. You didn't miss out. <laughs> I was a massively amazing, amazing race. I was like, what is this amazing show? This is a brilliant. Um, yeah, I did watch a lot of it. So good. Um, oh, okay. The View or The Daily Show? Rare. I don't watch either of those. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and this one is just, uh, it's just going to be a question. Um, in terms of like newspapers, uh-huh. or their digital content what would you say was like the one you rate the most or your favorite one mm, i'm terrible about following up on anything <laughs> do you have one that you read regularly though uh not really that's the answer and that's the quick fire round all right <laughs> <laughs> it's nice and simple it's not too crazy <laughs> okay i I do have a lot more questions for you, but I appreciate time is of the essence. So okay. we can do this again whenever you want. Oh, that's so good to hear. Yes. Round. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for coming on, for being the first guest of this year. Um, I, it's really been a pleasure to work with you. I feel like I've learned a lot, not just about publishing, but just about balance as well. Um yeah, just following you, reading the blog, seeing the reviews. And also, like, I love the fact that you've introduced me to things like Indie Story Geek and, like, other authors. I love that. So um, I cannot recommend the blog highly enough. The newsletter is amazing as well. Um, I will put all the links and stuff down um, in, I was going to say the chat. I'm not in the chat. Um, <laughs> in the description. That's what we use. Um and as always, um, video will go up on YouTube. Um, audio will be available most places. Um, I say it like I don't know where they are. It's Spotify, Amazon Music. Um, I think we're on Apple and Google uh, Podcasts. So if you prefer audio, please check us out. Um, again, thank you so much, Kriti. Um, Yeah, have a great day. Thanks so much for having me.